You're the only one who can Oh, there's nothing better than you There's nothing better than you Oh, there's nothing Nothing is better than you Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Going through the storm. But I won't go down I hear your voice Carried in the rhythm of the wind To call me out Would cross an ocean I wouldn't drown You've never been closer Than you are right now Try road, try You are enough Jaira, you are enough. I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. I don't want to forget how I feel right now on the mountaintop. I can see so clear what it's all about Stay by my side Sun goes down Don't want to forget how I feel right now Gyra, Gyra You are enough Gyra, you are enough I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. Jaira, you are enough. already chosen I know who I am I know what you've spoken I'm already loved more than I can imagine and that is 
already loved I'm already chosen I know who I am I know what you've spoken I'm already loved More than I could imagine That is enough Sing gyro Gyro you are not you are not and I will be content in every circumstance Jaira you are not
you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna, you're never gonna let me down. Cause you are good, you're good. Oh, you are good, you're good. Let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Cause you are good, you're good. Oh, you are good, you're good Oh, you are good, you're good Oh, you are good, you're good Oh, Amen, you may be seated. Uh, so, as you may know, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, is on a long-needed vacation. He hasn't had one in a long time, probably since um, July. So it's been a while. It's been a while. So we're going to give that to him. We'll let him have one. We'll let him have one every half year. That's it. No more than that. So if you're watching, Jeff, which you probably are, that's it. That's it. Um. <coughs> No, but so today is a special day. Anybody know what today is? It's Sunday. Yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. No, that's not it. It's Drake's birthday. Happy birthday, Drake. <laughs> and Raph's birthday tomorrow. So birthday day. Cool. Um, now, Super Bowl Sunday. So. That's good. We're not going to talk about that right now. Love to talk football, but it's not the time. Not the time. Um, so a couple quick announcements. Uh, we got. Um, what do we have going on? Anybody know? What do we got going, Patty? Patty's going to be doing fresh bread here in a second. We got Bible study. Yeah. Yes. What date is that? Should I take out my phone and look? It's the second. The second Sunday, so we're doing men's Bible study. We're gonna, we're doing it early, um, seven a.m., which absolutely insane to me. Sorry, I should be promoting this every time. I, I just, uh, I am not an early bird. So it'll be the ninth, March ninth, right? March ninth would be the second Saturday. We're doing the second Saturday of every month. So it's going to be from like 7 to 8.30, something like that. We'll have some like, we'll have some food and, and coffee and stuff like that. So I'll see you guys there. I will be there next time. I will be there. 
So, just gonna pull an all nighter so I can get there on time. <laughs> Don's gonna come too. Last, yeah, Don came at 7 p.m. I didn't come because I had a sick kid, and uh, yeah, I was all mess last time, but still good. But next next time, March 9th is gonna be great. So we got that. Um, every Wednesday night, um, we do prayer here at 5:30, I believe. Um, I think that time might be switching because um, I think it's pretty just pretty much just my mom and dad who kind of show up and pray for the church and pray for different things. So uh, that might be switching too. But um, that'd be as of right now, it's like Wednesday at 5:30. So that's about it as far as announcements are concerned. We're going to have Patty come up here and do fresh bread in a second, and then Raph and I are going to kind of co-preach this Sunday. We're kind of trying something out a little bit different. We've done it before in the past. Raph and I have done it uh, one other time. We're kind of going to do it more like like a podcast, like podcast church. So uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be up here in some chairs, and we're going to kind of do it. Um, Raph is already a podcast host, host. He does a great job. And so we're going to we're going to try things a little bit different. It's not going to be your standard like five point sermon, but I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be good. So we're going to we're going to do that in a little bit. But first, we're going to have Patty come up here and Patty is going to share with us. Turn me on. Oh, all right. So first, let me tell you a story. Um, I was going to open the Bible first. Let me tell you this story first. It's about when uh, Kristen and I first got an apartment, our first apartment. I think some of you guys have been there. A couple people here have been to our first apartment. We got this apartment because it was like, I don't know, I'd, I'd visited the apartment complex before and we were like, okay, it looks pretty nice and, um, you know, decent enough. It's a one-bedroom apartment. It's, you know, not very expensive. So we, uh, you know, we we start renting this apartment. And we rented it for, like, like, nine months. And then everything became horrible. <laughs> so this guy uh, moved in upstairs, and he was, like, moving furniture in the middle of the night every night. <laughs> and it was crazy. And one time, he, there, we Kristen was on our back porch, and just like reading the Bible, and all of a sudden, a trickle, and then a full stream of some liquid starts flowing over her, and she's like, "What could this possibly be?" And realizes, of course, what it is. And I think you know what it is. I'm not going to say it. Uh, she comes in and sa tells me what it is. <laughs> and so I run outside furiously and telling my neighbor, it's actually my neighbor's friend, and saying, you can't do that here. Someone was reading down here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we didn't have great neighbors at that point. And we were like, well, Kristen started to think, you know, we have to leave. And my inclination was to be like, 
no, 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 it's, it's fine. It's okay. We're going to be fine. This is not a big deal. Like, yeah, you get bad neighbors sometime. It's not a big deal. We're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And that, my reaction, is called toxic positivity. <laughs> um, so let me open up the Bible here. I didn't mark it, but it's Psalm 42. The Psalms, if you've ever read them, the dudes who wrote this thing were not toxically positive. That wasn't one of their problems. If they were, it would not be a really relatable book to read, right? <laughs> They'd be like, you know, nothing's wrong, it's, everything's okay, and it's all going to be good. No, they didn't say that. Here's what they said. Psalm 42, starting with verse 1. He says, as a, pant, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thir thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go to the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts, songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So, the psalmist here, he's, he doesn't have toxic positivity, but he has hope. He has hope in God, but the reason why it's not toxic is because he can name the hurt that he sees in the world. He can name the hurt, the pain that is there, and say, God, this is unjust, and uh, I, the only hope I have is in you. So one of, the, one of the pitfalls we can have with having hope is falling into toxic positivity. But there's another pitfall we can fall into with having hope. I was talking with a friend the other day, friend number one, and we met friend number two at a coffee shop and friend number one was talking to friend number two and saying you know we were discussing plans for that, that were going on in Rockford and uh, friend number one was saying no no it, this stuff's never gonna happen uh, you know this stuff is they talk about this stuff but it's all just talk and it's never really gonna happen and I felt the need to interject to friend number two Listen, friend number two, friend number one is just a cynic, right? He's just a cynic. He doesn't, he doesn't think anything. He he doesn't think anything's really gonna work out. Um, and I had to actually go back and be like, and I had to step away from that. Or after I was out of that conversation, I thought about that, and I was like, wait a second. 
we're not, people aren't cynics. That's not like a quality that we can have, really, in like something, it's not a quality that God gives us, that God puts in us, right? Um, It's something, it's a pitfall of hope. When we don't have hope, we fall into, or we can fall into cynicism. When we when we are able to name and see the injustice in the world, and yet what our reaction to that is to say, well, that's just the status quo. That's just how it is, you know? Um, that's, you know, and a lot of, I think I've said before, and lots of people have said before, and if this has ever been said to you before, uh, you know, that, well, you're just a cynic. Don't believe that, that's a lie. That's a lie. Nobody's just a cynic. We're, you know, we are, if, if, we're, if we believe in Christ, then we're uh, being regenerated by God. We might tend to be cynical, but God gives us hope. And we're meant to embrace that hope and continually, uh, continually develop that hope. So... That's kind of all that all that I have today. I mean, I I don't know if you guys want want to talk about this, but the, some questions to think about are like, where are you experiencing discouragement in your own life? Because, you know, if you're not able to name it, maybe you're toxically positive, right? Maybe you're just like, oh, there's, I don't have any discouragement, everything's fine. You, you know, you're one of these people who would write the book of Psalms and it would just be like super uh, like plain and, and unrelatable. Um, it, you know, and that's something to think about. Or maybe you're like, you can name the discouragement in your life and you're like, but God's not going to help with this. You know, you wouldn't say that, but you would say, I'm just a cynic, right? Um but then my challenge to you is, you know, you're not a cynic. Like, embrace who you really are and ask God about who you really are, you know? Um, I'm not going to really have time to, to, dis- to have discussion about this right now. I think we could talk about this a lot. But uh, Raph and Matt have really prepared something, and I'm excited to hear it. As Raph texts right now, he must must be looking over his notes. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Patty. Let me get set up here. Um, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to discuss that more. That that sounds very interesting topic. Raph, do you want to join me up here in a second?
Hi, Ref. guys hear me? Am I speaking on the microphone? All right, there we go. I'm super sketched out right now because this chair is held up. The top of this chair is held on by a single bolt. So a little sketched Don't out. move too fast. I'm going to fall straight off this thing at some point. So if you guys have been, been here or been following along, we are talking about love. It is February, uh, which means it's love month, Valentine's Day. So, yeah, we're talking about love right now. And when my dad was was leaving, he was like, you know, I want you and you and Raph to talk about love, which is a very kind of vague topic. But Raph was praying about it, and this is what came to him. He said he wanted to talk about Romans 12, verses 9 to 21. Is that it? Yeah, 9 to 21. So do you want to talk about how you, how you decided yeah. you want to talk about that? So I, so we were talking about the power of love, and <coughs> so what came to me was, okay, I want to ask everybody a quick question. Has anyone ever heard that verse that says, they will know we are Christians by our love? Yeah, so it's not a verse. It's a song. Like, it's not an actual verse. <laughs> so I was, was one of those things that, like, you hear all the time, you're like, oh, yeah, that's in the Bible. And it is as a concept, but it isn't directly say it just like that. So I started studying, and I was like, I was very upset that that wasn't a verse, but it is a nice song. And so it just kind of came to me, like, they, they will know who we are because of how we love. And um, yeah, Jeff had said, like, the power of love, you know. The first thing that came to my mind was, like, Huey Lewis in the news. Back oh, we didn't play that. Was that we were gonna play it, but I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys are. We'll play at the end. Back to the Future fans, but um, <coughs> it came to me that what are we known for as people? Like, if you were to ask, you know, like your significant other, your kids, your friends, or whoever you have in your life, like, what are you known for? And you know, like, I mean, most people are gonna be like, you're known for your love, but like, to me, I thought. Well, as a Christian, how do we represent that love? So once I started, like, studying it, I kind of, you know, like, everybody wants to go to uh, Roman, uh, Corinthians 13, you know, like, the love chapter. But um, <coughs> in my study, I came to Romans 12, which is a different kind of love and a really interesting kind of love. And the more I, like, studied it and the more I r read into it, the, the cooler I thought it was. So I'm just going to read... Um, so I'm going to read, uh, I guess I can just read it all, and then we're going to go through and just kind of break it down and, like, see how that relates. So love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, and bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, and be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. My dear friends, leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So <coughs> as you read this, this like passage, um, like a lot of us, I mean, you've probably, if you've been here enough, you've heard us talk Romans 12, like Jeff loves Romans 12. And it's amazing. Um, and it starts with like a, like a command, a therefore. There's like a, a bunch of different therefores in the New Testament, and Paul's kind of famous for using them. But he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So this love, the part that it's talking about, is love in action and how that looks. But it's cool that it starts with being sacrificial because real love in action is sacrificial and it can't be any other way. You have to, s this whole chapter talks about sacrificing what you want for someone else's good. And the kind of love it's talking about isn't like a romantic love, it's like a phileo love, like a, a brotherly love. But the way he says it, it's like, like a deeper love than that. It's a family love, like a brother and sister in Christ family love. Like it's a very deep love. Um, <coughs> so anyway, so when it starts, the first thing it says is love must be, be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So the farther I deep uh, delve into that, I found um, a cool Greek word. Matt has a slide. I am a Hercules. It's Greek. <laughs> um, so when he's saying love must be sincere, it sounds, you know, like, oh, yeah, not be sincere. But it, it's deeper than that. He says love must be without hypocrisy. And I'm going to try to pronounce this word. So here we go. Anupokakritos. <laughs> um, so it's actually referring to, like, an actor wearing a mask. Because in Greek, a hypocrite was, was an actor, was someone who is, like, putting on a show. And they wore a mask a lot of times. And so, like, when you break down that word, it means, it, it in essence means, like, don't be fake with how you love people. You know, be sincere, be deep. Don't just show them the mask of how you are. Be real. You know, and that's how it starts. And I thought that was, like, really cool that, like, you know, like, when, when you dig into this and the deeper you get, the words have so much more meaning and they have so much... He's not just like saying a word like these words have like a significance to each each part of this. Don't worry, I did not do Greek for every single word. Um, I can hardly say it. So yeah, so be devoted to one e to another in love. Honor others above yourselves. Um, that's part of that sacrificial love. You know, to be a living sacrifice, to be constantly putting someone else like above you. But you have to do it without being fake. You have to be doing it without being um, like insincere like hi hypocrisy you know like you can tell someone how you feel but if you do it in a loving way it hits deeper it kind of pulls down that mask and pulls down that and so you are somebody who they can trust you know never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord um, for a long so I thought zeal meant like excitedness um, but it's just like a deep dedication it's a very deep dedication, and like it, it kind of radiates joy. So you mu it's we have to be loving, and we have to do it in a in a positive way, in a happy way, with like a lot of devotion to it. 
which I thought was really cool. Um, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Um, situations aren't always going to just resolve themselves. You know, they, we have to, sometimes things that you're praying for and wanting to go farther are going to take longer than you um, ever imagined they would. And, um, <coughs> but we're like instructed to be joyful in our hope, to be happy, like, like what Patty was talking about. Um, to not have the, <laughs> I had never heard that before, toxic positivity. I haven't heard that. Uh, it is really funny. Oh, no, it's fine, but it's not fine. But you're supposed to be joyful that it will be fine, and that's okay. Um, patient in affliction, like, things are going to take a while. But, you know, um, faithful in prayer. Bringing those things to God is always going to give you peace. Um, it isn't going to make it better, but it might over time. Um, yeah. So, let's see. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Um, in doing some research for this, I found, um, I found this pastor. I, I forgot what his name is. But he was really good, and he kind of broke down this whole chapter. And he was talking about how when you try to relate Sometimes it's easier to relate to someone in their sadness than it is in their joy. You know, if it's something you want and it's something that you need and they're like, and you're like, man, my car's terrible. And they're like, God, just bless me with a new car. Like, that's awesome. You know, like, it's hard to be joyful with that person. You know, I mean, I think probably we all have, like, different qualities that, like, maybe it's easier for you to have joy with someone. Maybe it's easier for you to cry with somebody. Um but um, Matt told a story. You should tell that story that you told me when we were um, about the, what is it, the tribe that does that? Oh, yeah. This is, this is interesting. Um, so when I was in school, um, I went to a Christian college up in um, Minnesota, and we had chapel, like, every Tuesday and Thursday. And um, <coughs> we had a bunch of speakers come, and there was this lady from Africa who came, and she said that her tribe um, – you know, when somebody died and there was, like, um, people were really sad, they would go to their house. And they took this; they took it literally where it said, mourn with those who mourn or weep with those who weep. So they're like, we're not going to, like, text them a Bible verse and be like, hey, you know, you, you should believe in God right now. You should believe that God wants this for your best. He's working for your best. And they said, that's not the way to deal with someone who's mourning, someone who's sad. Like, the Bible says, "Weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice." So, if, if if something's great and you know something is good that happened, you rejoice with those people. But if something bad happens, you weep with them. And she said, in their village, they take it literally, like they will go to that person's house and they'll prepare themselves and get sad. You know, they'll think about someone who was important to them that died, and they will um, remember the pain that they were in. When that happened, kind of like an actor, you know, actors think about like sad memories so they can cry on, on camera and stuff. But they would do that not to be fake, but just to be able to enter into the sadness because they're going to meet a sad person. So you don't go in with joy and like, oh, yeah, I hope everything's good. You know, got you a casserole. Here you go. All right. No, they would go in expecting to mourn with this person. And then they would cry with this with the person who was mourning. And I thought that was amazing because that's probably exactly what that person needed. They need someone to be there with them and to, like, be sad with them. 
and that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> I find that very, very hard. I have a hard time crying with my wife, and it, it's she's the closest person to me. You know, like I just I I feel really uncomfortable when I cry. I'm also kind of an ugly crier, but um, I don't know. I just I just find it, it very uncomfortable. But as much as we can, we should. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And if you can't, if you have the gift of being able to just really, you know, cry with somebody, that's a gift. And, and give that to others, you know. Um, by the way, I'm not trying to sound like I'm like some like super masculine guy. Like I cry in every show that I watch pretty much. But I just like have a hard time like, like, and, but it's always like a, I'm not crying. I'm good over here. <laughs> Yeah, so this, I think this passage is so, so cool because it, a lot of these things, it just made me wonder, like, am I known for these things? Am I, you know, am I someone that you would think about, that you could, that you'd want to rejoice with, want to cry with, somebody who, um, like, who does all these things and puts these into practice? And, you know, because, like, the name of the, like, the little subheading is love in action. And, I mean, how much sacrifice it takes to do some of these things. You really do have to, like, make these choices. You know, this kind of love is a choice love that you have to make. But the nice thing is, is that you're submitting it to God, and God's going to give you the power to do these things. Um, but yeah, t- do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. This is the 18. So I wanted to get to 18 because this one I think is such a good reminder if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone we ha- we just try our best <laughs> you're not going to live at peace with everyone you're not going to have like everyone isn't going to like you and that's and that's okay but it's a trying thing we try to be at peace we we make effort to do these things we accept people who we wouldn't normally want to accept we humble ourselves you know, like, to achieve this kind of love is about humbling yourself and telling people, you know, that you care, but doing it in a sincere way. And to me, it's like, as a Christian, these are the things we must be known for. And so, like, my part ends with, you know, what do people know you for? Is this something that someone could read and say, that does remind me of them? So that's my challenge. Nice. That's good. <coughs> So, I'm going to reread these verses real quick and then go to the, the last verses. Uh, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And the end of the passage is, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I've read that verse a lot, and I don't feel like I've ever really had an enemy. 
you know i mean i guess in grade school and stuff you have those kids who like pick on you and 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 you you know border on hatred you're like i hate that guy you know um but like in my adult life i haven't really had that you know and and so i in my adult life reading this verse i'm just kind of like yeah i've never had an enemy and part of that's just having a kind of a blessed life in the sense that i've never had anyone do something really bad to me i never had someone um you know murder somebody in my family you know something crazy you know you hear stuff like that happens but i've never had it happen yeah i've never had someone like catfish me or i've never had someone like steal my identity and like drain my bank account i've never had an enemy like that and so like these verses like just i'm just kind of like yeah you know if i ever have an enemy then i'll 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 check these verses out and um which is a silly thing to think but i kind of got an enemy not too long ago and it's really stupid but i didn't handle it good there was a guy i worked with I don't work with him any longer. He's not, he's still, he's still with us, still alive. But um, this guy, I don't know if you guys have ever had someone in your adult life where you're like, I just can't stand this person. And I see him every day. And this guy, this, this sounds so dumb. I've talked to people about this and asked them for their advice. I think it's so stupid that people just kind of ignored me. But this guy, every everything he said to me was a lie. And I worked with him. I mean, and he'd get caught up in lies all the time, but he'd pretend that they weren't lies. You know, even like, like hey, so-and-so. I don't want to say his name in case he was watching, which I doubt. But, hey, so-and-so, um, where did you go to dinner last night? And he'd go, I had Jimmy John's. I'm like, you didn't have Jimmy John's, man. Stop lying. You know, like, and that's, that's like, like, it didn't start like that. It's, it started like we were friends and I believed everything he said. And then he's like talking to me about his 50 foot yacht he's got and his Mercedes. And like, I'm like, dude, I know where you live and I know what car you, your truck you drive. Like all these things are lies. And I, Over time, over like a year and a half, I'm like, oh, everything he says is a lie. And he, I've never met like a compulsive liar until I met this dude. And for some reason, it just made me so mad because I'm like. I, I believe in being real. I believe in, in, in the truth shall set you free. And there's nothing about this guy that was truthful. And over time of being lied to you every day, I really got close to hatred, if not hating this guy. And I failed big time. I failed big time. And we'll talk more about this. We'll come back later because I want to talk about how I should have done better and how I still can do better with this guy because I feel so ashamed that I let him get to me and was not a good Christian example to this guy. And so... Can, that, I, can I throw something in real quick? Yeah. Please? In my studies, <coughs> my deep word studies, the word he... In my uses, travels. In my travels. The word he uses for enemy doesn't isn't like what you think. It isn't someone you hate. It, it translates to your antagonist. Someone who antagonizes you. Oh, so he was my enemy. He was your enemy. Thanks. But yeah, isn't that interesting to think about that? Like, we read that and we're like, oh man, my enemy. Who's my enemy? And you're just like, you know, this isn't like, you know, the 1800s and we're like warring countries. And uh, maybe we did. But like, um, I don't know who my enemy is. 
but I know who my antagonist is. It could be anybody. It could be anyone in this room. Tristan, I see you. I'm All right. <laughs> Sorry. So speaking about that, speaking of like the extreme, like you're talking about, let's let's go to the extreme. Let's talk about real enemies. Have any of you guys seen the movie John Wick? You guys seen that movie? John Wick, in the beginning of this movie, his wife has just died. And as a parting gift from his now-deceased wife, she leaves him a dog. And this dog is loving, and this dog is, you know, he sees this dog as like an extension of his, of his dead wife. And he loves this dog, you know, and, and John Wick is a former assassin, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he's not like this guy's like lived a clean life. It's not like you'd consider him like a, you know, someone you'd go to for like moral advice. But, you know, he was sort of a moral guy as far as as much as you can be for an assassin. You know, he had he had boundaries, you know, and I like as as human beings, like we kind of construct like whether or not someone's a good guy or bad guy. It's like, well, yeah, he killed like. 90 people but he had boundaries you know and and um anyways these guys just they break into his house for the wrong reason why did they end up breaking in his house it was like they're gonna steal his car oh they want to steal his car and in the process they killed his dog that his wife had given him as like the final piece of herself and dude does not handle it well not, I got a picture of him up here. He doesn't handle it well. He does. He does. He does repay evil for evil, and uh, he does get vengeance. And he gets vengeance. And as we're watching this movie, we're like, "Yes, I would do the same thing if I had his skill set." And there's a lot of movies like this. I mean, there's a lot of John Wicks, and I love these movies. When we watch these movies. And we're like, man, we we love these movies because of what? Justice. We love justice. And justice isn't bad. Justice was given by God. So when we see John Wick taking some justice out on some other people with his guns and knives and everything he's got, we're like, yes, it gives us that sense of justice. But what is what what's wrong about it? What's wrong about what John Wick does? I was thinking about it because I'm like, well, he's doing justice. Here's the problem. And if we if we ever were in a situation where we'd want to take things into our own hands, the problem is we're not a good instrument for justice. If we because uh, let's go let's go back to that verse. Um, do not repay. Let's go back here. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. So this is not as appealing to our flesh, but we will know for sure that the correct justice has been done if God is the one doing it. And it might not be in this life. I mean, evil people get away with stuff all the time. And we see, um, you know, I, I was when I was looking, when I was like Googling, I was trying to find stories about like um, people who showed love. Um, 
in, in the way that Romans 12 describes it. And like, and there was like all these like Reddit posts and stuff like God says that he'll take justice, but he's not. So what do I do? Because I've like, I've given it enough time. It's like, no, nah, but God's got way more time than you. He knows what's going to happen. Here's the problem. We think that if God's not taking justice in the appropriate amount of time, we should take it into our own hands. But we're sinners. We're sinners trying to take justice on another sinner. So, plus, you're not God. You don't have a full spectrum of this person's life and how you actually would do justice. You don't have the eternal perspective. And so anytime we take justice on people, we're sinning because we are we are saying, God, you're not doing good enough. And let me show you. Let me show you, God, how to take justice, God. That's really stupid. But we want to do it because we feel like we're smarter or we're just impatient or we just think that person deserves it now. And it's not Christian. It's not a Christian thing to do, guys. And I want to add this. So I, I was tell every time I hear, you know, don't repay evil for evil. It reminds me of this. So I thought it was a psalm, but it's in Proverbs. So Proverbs seventeen thirteen, it says, "Evil will never leave the house of one who pays back evil for good." What verse is that? Uh, Proverbs seventeen thirteen. You read it again. Evil will never leave the house of one who pays back evil for good. Well, that's another good reason. If you don't want evil, evil leaving your house, then go ahead and yeah. If you want evil revenge. forever, John Wick. I'm going to read a couple other verses that kind of back up this point in Romans 12. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Proverbs 20, 22 says, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait on the Lord, and he will deliver you. And Matthew 18, 21 through 22 then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should we forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seven, 77 times, or 70 times, seven times, which Jesus is saying, like, unlimited amount of times, because that's how many times I forgive you. I forgive you unlimited amount of times. 70 times seven, God's forgiven me way more than that. And so that's how much we... You know, Jesus also says, after the, after he teaches the disciples how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After, he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And if you don't forgive people your sins, then the Father in heaven won't forgive your sins. Which is, like, that's pretty important. Because you're not getting to heaven with with. God not forgiving your sins. So this is really important, and we got to really take it seriously. Um, so I'm going to – I found this this pastor and this writer on online when I was finding it. His name's Tim Challies, I think that's how you say it, C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S. And he's got a really good um, website, really good blog. And he said, these are questions to consider when you read the, this passage in Romans 12. And he said, what believer – that you know sets a good example in his or her love. How does that person display love for others? So it's a good mental exercise to think about, like, who's someone that that really displays love in a good way? 
why or how do they do that? And then how can, how can you do that? Uh, this guy named A.W. Pink said, the measure of our love for others can largely be determined by the frequency and earnestness of our prayers for them. I'm going to read that again. The measure of our love for others can largely be determined by the frequency, by how much, and the earnestness of our prayers for them. So are you earnestly praying for this person? Are you praying for them often? Do you pray for others? How can you pray for them with greater frequency and earnestness? And then finally, in what ways do you think you are setting a good example for the people in your church in the way that you love others? Pray and thank God for each of them. In what ways do you think you are not setting a good example for the people in your church in the way that you love others? Pray and ask God for his grace to change you. So going back to my, my old coworker who, who drove me nuts, was I a good example to the people in my church? No. I was a terrible example. You guys didn't know about it most of the time. Well, some of you guys did. And But I was a terrible example. Like, I am ashamed. And, you know, I prayed for him. I prayed for this guy who annoyed me. But really, like, my prayers wouldn't get too far because I just keep doing the same thing. But did my frequency and earnestness in prayer increase for this guy? No, it didn't. But I wonder what would have happened if I, if I would have. I wonder what would have happened if I would have prayed for him more and prayed for him more earnestly and prayed, and prayed for God to help me in it. But I didn't do it. I failed. But I have repented of that and asked God for his forgiveness. And I, I'm going to start praying for this guy. Because I need grace, so this guy needs it too. And he doesn't know God. He's, he mocks God. Whenever we've had spiritual conversation, this guy always made fun of me for being a Christian. And, and he would always say, well, you know, I just think it's ridiculous that Jesus went up and on that mountain and got those tablets from God. I'm like, that was Moses, or that was Moses man not Jesus. And he's like, I went to seminary school. I'm like, you did not. (laughs) Sorry. I obviously have some unforgiveness in my heart. I need to work on that. But this Romans 12 passage is not easy. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy with everybody. It's difficult. And, um, fortunately God's got grace for us because we are not a good example sometimes, but we need to work to be a better example. I want my kids to look at me and be like, man, my dad represents love. He represents grace. He represents forgiveness. You know, he's a forgiving guy. My dad never let people get to him, you know? And, and I just, I just, I know I got, I got a ways to go, but that's where I want to go. And I think by God's grace, we will get there. Um, Yeah. And that's, I think that's why it's cool how the whole passage starts, you know? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so we know how merciful God is, you know, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So when I was listening to this other sermon about this, I've heard people say this a few times, like, like like a living sacrifice is way different than a sacrifice that's already been 
killed. You know, if they kill an animal, put it on the altar, burn it, it's not going anywhere. But a living sacrifice is moving. It's it's flailing. It's fighting. It's like we're always going to be fighting against this stuff. You know, and I think that it, that's I think God knows that. So like He's very merciful to us in that we don't have to. It's not the end of the world if we're not that. I mean, unless you invite evil into your house, then it is the end of the world. But like, um, I think it's nice how how much God gives us grace to do it, and that. But it, it's not easy. We still have to do it. We still have to put it into action. We still have to, like, lay ourselves at the altar, you know. And, like, we're not always going to make the right choice, like Matt said. But he knows that. The fact that he knows that it's different and knows that he needs to change it, that's the important part. And, like, we just have to keep trying. We just have to keep doing and putting it into action and keep being loving and keep just offering ourselves when we don't want to, you know. But you have to do it sincere in a in a sincere way, and I think that's I think that's possible. I also want to mention that forgiveness and repentance is is often something that comes in stages. Like you don't obviously like I've for, I've forgiven this guy, but I obviously have some things that make me mad about this dude. So still have more work to do. You can tell you can tell you need to forgive someone if something like still makes you mad inside. You're like I got more work to do. So. Luckily, he lives really far away in Mumbai. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Um, anyway, Mumbai. Yeah, never mind. We won't go into it, guys. <laughs> if you want to know after the service, ask. It's really fun. Does anybody does anybody have uh have any th- any thoughts? Anything they want to add? Anything that we that we missed or anything that comes to mind, Sally? Terrible example in front of other people. I deal with it a lot at work too, where 